the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thank you for your presence today. The Bible beautifully describes the creation of the first man, woman, and marriage. God made the heavens and the earth with us in mind. Then he made man in his image and breathed into him the breath of life to care for the universe he created. If that wasn't enough, he made woman from the rib of man to compliment him. And with God's blessings, they became husband and wife. Listen with Bible, pen, and paper handy as Pastor Rander articulates this beautiful truth from the Holy Scriptures. Good morning. Isn't it good to be in the house of God this morning? Isn't it good to be up this morning? Isn't it good to be in your right minds this morning? You didn't just have to be here. We could be on the operating table. Thank God for the privilege of preaching the good news of Jesus Christ. We're going to continue where we left off. You know, we're gleaning through the book of Genesis. We'll take up with Genesis chapter 2, verses 7, 18, 21 through 25. Have your Bibles. Open up to to Genesis chapter 2. Now, even though you see it on the screen, we want you to open up your own Bible, and we want you to be able to mark in your Bible, if it's your Bible, write in it, and don't be afraid to annotate. I wish you could just see my Bible, how it's highlighted and written all over in between the margins and so forth. That's how the Word gets gets in your spirit and gets in your soul. Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, it says... And the Lord God formed man in the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. Verse 18, and the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. Now skip down to verse 21, and the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a wool man, and he brought her to the man. And Adam said, this is now bones of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. And all God's children said, let's look at verse 7. Verse 7 says, And the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. Some translations say, says so. The scripture says very poignantly, very clearly, that God created man. Man was not formed by uh, some impersonal force, nor did uh, we evolve from other creatures that had come out of nothing and all that shenanigans. The Lord God of the universe created man and woe man. And like a pot of fashion's clay into a particular shape, God took man from the dust of the ground and formed a man. After man's body was completely shaped into God's desired form from the dust of the ground, it was a lifeless body until God blew the breath of God, the spirit of God into man. 
As a matter of fact, the scripture says in Job 33, 4, the, the spirit of God has made me and the breath of the almighty God gives me life. In other words, man, man was created to live eternally with God. However, when man rebelled and fell in the garden into sin, he forfeited that privilege. My friends, God made Adam an emotional, intellectual, spiritual, living soul created in the very image of God, which distinguishes him from the rest of the animal kingdom. Adam had the ability to freely choose. He had the ability to freely serve God, to freely fellowship with God, to freely worship with God. As a matter of fact, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27a, it says, So God created man in his own image, in the image of God. He created him. In Psalms 95, 6, it says, Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. God is our maker. That's right. God is our maker. Say, God, God is, is our maker. We ought to take comfort in that because if you don't believe God made you, then who are you accountable to? You see, we can see from scriptures that God created Adam with the capacity to worship him. And uh, if we don't worship God, then there will be a cheap substitute for worship. You'll worship yourself. You'll worship things, money, greed, power, control. You'll worship anything if you're not worshiping the true, the only true and living God. Now skip down to verse 18, if you will. The scripture says, and the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. In this particular verse, God says it was not good that man should be alone because nothing in the animal kingdom proved to be fit or comparable for man. Therefore, God said, I will make him a a helper suitable for him. Then look at verses 21 through 22. Y'all hanging with me? And the Lord God calls a deep sleep to fall on Adam. This is without anesthesia. And he slept and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in his place. Verse 22. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a what? A woman. And he brought her to the man. Now, because no suitable companion was found for Adam, God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam while he slept. And God took one of Adam's ribs from his own flesh and closed up the flesh without stitches and fashioned a woman and brought her to the man. We must be mindful that just because Adam was created first does not mean Eve was lesser than Adam. You see, one sex is not superior or inferior to the other sex. For she too was created in the image of God and like Adam exercised dominion over God's creation just like Adam. You say, where do you get that from? In Genesis chapter 1 verses 27 to 28. This is Maranatha Bible Church. Everything we preach is from scripture. I don't share my opinions. My opinions don't mean anything. What matters is what does the word of God say? Look what it says in Genesis 1, 27 through 28. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female. He created them. Then God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves in the earth. Notice also that the rib was taken out of Adam's side, which meant that a bone was not taken from Adam's head 
head to rule over him, nor out of his feet to be trampled upon by him, but out of his side to be equal with Adam and to complete Adam. No animal in the animal kingdom could complete Adam. So God made a woman to complement and to complete him. Eve was the only one in creation who was suitable and comparable to Adam. She was one of the kind. There is also another major point of consideration in this verse I've just read to you. The scripture says at the end of verse 22, look at the end of verse 22, look there in the text. It says, and God brought her to the man. In other words, he brought her to the man and not another man to a man and not another woman to a woman. God created one man and one woman who were male and female. In this verse, God did not create several women for one man, which is polygamy. Inherit in this passage is a heterosexual monogamous relationship as a divine pattern for marriage that God established in creation. Why don't you say amen? The scripture says in verse 22, and God brought her, Eve, to the man, Adam. Oh, how wonderful it is when God sovereignly brings the wife of a husband he has for you to you. Isn't that wonderful? That God, he brought her, her to the man. It is a wonderful thing when you allow God to, uh, to bring the husband or wife he has for you to you. Sadly, the inability to wait on the Lord brings disastrous consequences. And when you don't wait on the Lord for your husband or wife, it ends up into, in, in a separation, a divorce, and a lot of hurt and pain and agony, abuse, and everything else because you didn't allow yourself to wait on God and allow him to bring the spouse he has for you to you. Are y'all hanging with me? Though Adam and Eve were created two equal persons and beings, their functions and purposes in the marriage, their function and, and roles in the home, and even in the New Testament church differs. They're not the same. Even though they're created equal, their roles and their functionings are different. In Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 through 25, if you could turn now, if you can, as fast as you can, if you can't, just look at the screen. If your skills of finding the books are not that good, it says, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 through 25, it says, wives, submit to your own husband. Did I crack a joke or something? Was you Okay. Somebody said yes. Ephesians 5, 22 through 25 says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife. As also Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Say everything. Verse 25, then husbands, I'm not leaving you out. Love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. You see the word head, you see uh, is, the, is the head of the wife uh, in verse uh, 23. The word head in Ephesians 5, 23 refers to authority. Say authority. It doesn't mean the husband is superior and the wife is inferior. Men and women are equal in the eyes of Almighty God. However, God has assigned different roles and, and uh, functionings in the family. 
And he's, he has said the husband is to be the, the head of the wife. And sisters, you heard me say this last week. Don't ask God to give you a husband until you're ready to submit to his headship and to allow him to be your covering. If you're not ready to submit to the man God gives you, it is better for you to remain joyfully single until God matures you to the point of submission. Should wives earn the same salary or make more money than her man, her husband, you're still to submit to him. It is, a submission is not based on money. Even if you may have more skills than your husband or more education than your husband, you are instructed by Almighty God to submit and place yourself under the headship of your husband as the Bible mandate. I know the feminist movement don't like that, but who cares about what they like? What matters is what God says. And the reason the truth choked many believers in the church is because y'all have been baptized in secularism. That's right. You've been baptized with the media and all these agendas out here that are antithetical to what the Word of God actually says. And that's why you choke when you hear truth as it comes from the authoritative scriptures of the Word of the living God. Amen? Then wives, the only reason for not submitting to your husband the only reason you're to draw the line, when you're to draw the line, is when your husband asks you to do something that goes against Scripture, that violates the Scriptures. He's asking you to cheat or do something that's unethical. Then you say, honey, because of my love for God, that's not right, and you shouldn't be doing that, and you're violating Scripture. And don't ask me to do something that violates my Lord's Scripture. I'm to glorify God, but I have to draw the line when you're asking me to do something that is in error. Look at verse 25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. Husbands should submit to the Lord and love their wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Now, the wife ought to be submitting to the husband, and the husband ought to be sacrificing himself for the wife, and he has submission that has to be done to his responsibility. And matter of fact, her submission will not be a burden but a joy when you are sacrificially loving your husband. How do you sacrificially love your wife, husbands? It's, it's done when you honor your wife, treating her honorably, when you respect her, uh, when you listen to her from the heart, when you make sure her needs are provided for, when you minister to her needs. Headship, just because the Scripture says we are the head of the, of the wife and the family, does not mean dictatorship. That means she can't have input. She can't give a word of wisdom. It's what you say, and and that's the final line because the Bible says I'm the head. No, don't push that too far to gain advantage for selfish reasons. That's not fair to God nor her. You know, there should be mutual respect and love and submission to the glory of Almighty God. We are to operate in the unity of the Spirit. and just So headship does not mean uh, dictatorship. And it does not mean mistreatment nor abuse. Apart from submission, there will be confusion in the home. When there's no submission, there will be tension. There will be strife in the home. Submission is God's order in the family. Say submission. Submission. Folks don't even say that word. Uh, Say it again. Submission. Submission is God's order for the family. Satan loves to use selfishness, manipulation, and control to destroy the family. Now look at verse 23. Let's go back to Genesis now. Back to Genesis, verse 23, where we were. 
It says, and Adam said, this is now bones of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She, Eve, shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Because Eve was taken out of man, she was made bones from his bones and flesh from his flesh. God could have made Eve from the ground just as he did Adam. But he chose, however, to make her from man's flesh and bones, which is to be a picture of one flesh in holy matrimony. Verse 24, it says, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and they shall become one flesh. After God created woman, he gave her away to her husband in marriage, which is a sacred marriage, is a sacred covenant relationship between a husband and wife. Marriage was the first institution established by God on earth for society. Before there were businesses, before there was fraternities, before there was uh, schools, before there was government, God established, instituted marriage. That was the first institution created. That means he put high value on marriage when the world is devaluating marriage and making light of it. The union of a husband and wife transcends a parent-child relationship. Parents, you're to never put your children over your spouse. That's right. You got some parents have more of a relationship with their children than with their spouse. No, 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 no. You're supposed to have, matter of fact, they play one against the other. Your children got good sense. They know how to manipulate. They know how to play games. Y'all need to stand in the unit of the spirit, be on one accord. And if y'all have a disagreement, your children ought not see you disagreeing before them. Go in the back room, wait till they go off to school, say what you got to say, but don't be hollering and screaming at your husband and fighting and all that kind of stuff. And even if you're behind the scenes, you still ought not be hollering and screaming. That doesn't help anything. Be quiet and settle yourself down and speak gently and lovingly and under the control of the Holy Ghost. Huh? So the husband-wife relationship transcend parent-child relationship, and therefore all apron strings must be cut, which means the wife must put the interest and welfare of her husband above her parents, and the husband must put his wife's interests and welfare above his parents. And when a man and woman get married, they become one flesh in marriage. The priorities of the husband and wife, it changes. The marriage relationship takes precedence over parental relationships. The King James Version of the Bible really makes the point. In the King James Version, it says in Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave, C-L-E-A-V-E, cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. In other words, it's not my checking account and your checking account, my car and your car and my closet and your closet. You get that my stuff out of the way, it's ours. It's ours. And if you can't operate in the ours mode and you got to have all these prenuptial agreements and all that, I wouldn't marry anybody that I couldn't trust my resources to. Won't y'all say amen? Because you're merging families. You're merging material possessions. You're merging a whole lot of stuff. That's why you need to have premarital counseling so you won't just be so lovesick. And when reality set in, love caused you to lose your intellectualism. Oh, God. Oh, my. Oh, there are husbands and wives that, that have this thing all out of shape. 
Others give priorities to relationship outside of the marriage by confining more in their girlfriends and their homeboys than in their spouse. God's divine order is God first. Say God first. Then then my spouse, then my children, then my parents, and other extended family members. The word of God is clear. God here emphasizes the permanence of marriage. Cleave. Say cleave. Cleave means that a man, it means to stick like glue. Stick like glue. That's what that word means. It means that the man must glue himself to his wife. And the wife must glue herself to her husband. All hell can break out. Challenges can come. Sickness can come. Unexpected things can come. But none of these things will break your marriage because you are sticking together like glue. And none of the calamities of life can unglue you. Huh? Can unglue you. The word of God is so clear. God here emphasizes the permanence of marriage. Cleave means that the man must glue himself to his wife and the wife must glue herself to her husband and let nothing or no one come between the two of them. God designed this union to be intimate and permanent till death do you part. You know, it's, it's, it's frightening to see that the divorce rate in the church is rivaling that of the world. And we say we got God, but we are out divorcing the world. The union between a husband and wife is to be the strongest relationship between two people. And from my personal pastoral experience, these are the top seven reasons for divorce. Now, I elaborated extensively last time, but I'll not do it this time. I wanted to review this because I want you to get it down in your heart, your soul, so that you, so that you can have a marriage that will glorify God. Here are the reasons, from my perspective and, his, and pastoral experience, that people, couples divorce. Number one, selfish manipulation and control, you know. Well, that, that destroys a marriage. You've got to have it your way. It's hell in a house until you get it your way. And number two, conflict over money. You better work that out before you get married. Matter of fact, you better know what's in both accounts. You better hope that he's not running from the law and you marrying some fugitive. That's right. You better, hey, show it. Let's talk up front. I don't want no hidden agenda. I don't want no hidden babies coming up here. After I get married, oh, honey, I forgot. to t- No, no, don't tell me that. You know where your seeds are. Let's talk before. Don't be so in love that you can't talk. It's time to have a little talk. I want to know what I'm getting into because I don't like divorce. I want to stay married and I want to know who I'm marrying. It's not being about being cute and handsome and having biceps. Number three, different opinions. Different opinions regarding child rearing especially in the area of discipline in blended families. You know, you blended family come together and all of a sudden uh, the, the, the incoming new spouse uh, decide to spank or do something and then the, 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 the child of the, of the biological parents say, you can't spank me, you're not my daddy, you're not my mama and all that kind of stuff. Y'all have to have an understanding. And I believe that in, in those first few months, the biological parent ought to be the disciplinarian until they, the bonding happens, and then that needs to be transferred gradually. But, but you can't just come in there beating a the child the, just the first day you enter that home. <laughs> come here, boy. Wait a minute. That boy better know your name. <laughs> okay? Let the biological parent handle that up front, 
And then gradually, there will be a shifting to equality in the discipline aspect because it takes time for those children to know you. And besides, you know, they're still young and they're trying to figure this thing out. Y'all hanging with me? Another reason for the divorce is the interference of in-laws. In-laws become outlaws and nobody's speaking. And, and I mean, it's just messy. Y'all came cut turkey at Christmas time. <laughs> Number five, religious disagreements. You know, somebody been Methodist, other been Baptist, and you don't want to leave your church. He don't want to leave his church. And y'all fighting over that instead of talking that through. Like, where are we going to worship? Or, well, are we going to leave both churches and have a neutral church? Or, or is your church biblical enough? Baby, you know, talk, the wife talking to her husband, I want to join you. I'm, I'm to leave and forsake, and I want to join you, but I want to make sure the truth is going out from your church. I'm not joining no cult. And I don't want a weak gospel. Now, if my, now, whoever has the strongest church, that's where you need to be. That's right. That's right. Because your family will have implications if you settle in for a weak church where the word is little to none. Uh, the religious disagreement. Then you have communication difficulties. Not talking, stop talking, yelling, screaming, shutting doors, slamming doors, rolling eyes, and all that stuff. Bad communication. You know, communication is not verbal. It's also body language. And some of y'all can put on some hellish body language. <laughs> Breathing hard, you know, jacking, you know, pushing the water to you. Hit a coffee. <laughs> Wait a minute. Come on. Come on now. That's all communication. <laughs> Disrespected each other in speech and language and all these things. And then number seven, confusion regarding intimacy. We'll be dealing more with that next week. Believe me. Okay. <laughs> now, with that being said, why do some parents have a hard time? This is new. All oh, that was review. Okay. Now, let's go to new insights. Uh, why do some parents have a hard time releasing their sons and daughters uh, to their spouse. Why do some parents struggle with this? Well, number one, because they allow their emotional ties to transcend the authority of God's word. You're so so emotionally wrapped up, tied up, tangled up in your relationship with that child that that your relationship emotionally transcends the authoritative word of God. Instead of letting the word reign supreme, your emotions reign supreme over the word and and disregard the word, and you keep a tie to the detriment of that marriage. Thank you for joining us today. The word of God provides everything we need throughout our earthly existence. There is absolutely nothing that has, is, or will occur in our lives that is not covered by the blood of Jesus. Our sovereign God loves us so much that he created us in his own image and sacrificed his only begotten sinless son to cover all of our sins. When we surrender our all to him, we begin to experience the greatest love of all and become recipients of eternal life. Listen with Bible pen and paper handy as Pastor Rander ministers to us today. Please join the Maranatha Bible Church family on Sunday, November 13th at 10 a.m. as we celebrate our annual Military Appreciation Day to recognize and thank veterans, all branches of the military, and their families for their self-sacrificing service and selfless determination to uphold the United States of America as the land of the free and the home of the brave. Worship with us as we honor these individuals, countless of whom paid the ultimate price for our freedom. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.